Hello everyone and welcome to The Femaling Show. I'm your host, Nicole Goodman, and I'm a woman's identity expert and coach. As women, we fall into three phases of identity through our adult life, and during these, our challenges can look pretty similar. Now, regardless of what cycle of life you fall into, whether you are from the age of 24 to 32, 32 to 40, or 40 to 50 plus, here at Femaling, I will be talking to you about the real struggles we all face and secretly struggle with. Through honest conversation, you will learn how to accept yourself, understand yourself, and be yourself. So let the femaling adventure begin. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Femaling. And today I am joined by a gorgeous guest, Lauren Mishcon, who I'm going to tell you about in a minute. And we are talking about that it's basically time that us women know our worth and we're going to unpack it all with you today and talk about where women are at, uh, where we're going and and actually where where we feel we can get to with self-confidence, knowing um, who we are, what we are, what we want and actually what our self-worth really should and can look like. So Lauren, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you here. for having me. Um, Lauren is a birth doula and has been for 13 years. So you've worked with women for 13 years. I have. Which is why I really was so excited about you coming on and talking about this particular topic because I'm sure you've got so much to add. Um, and Lauren is now moving into broadcasting on the women's radio station talking about women's well-being. Women's well-being. So just tell us a bit more about that, or what's involved with that. Well, it's the only radio station that is for women, by women, women presenters and women guests. Mm. A whole variety of topics. So there are things like theatre reviews, book reviews, there's an agony aunt, there's someone talking about uh, mental health. And my show is really bringing in women to talk about pregnancy, birth, babies, motherhood, Aww. that aspect of it. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's interesting. So, um, so you have women on, and you're interviewing them, exactly. And, and you're just talking about all the stuff that us women go through in terms of becoming a mummy. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Oh, how exciting! So, um, I guess what I want to touch on with you today is how we as women today can actually build more self-confidence, build absolute knowing in our heart and souls of who we are and what our self-worth really looks like. And I'm kind of saying self-worth and it feels a bit cheesy every time I'm saying it, but it, but it is about knowing who we are and what we are worth. So I can't think of a better way of putting it. And I'm going to throw a question over to you in a minute, but I think the reason why this topic is so important is because we can have all the women empowerment that we want and all the, this massive feminist movement that's happening with Me Too and everything else that's been going on for quite a few years now, but there's something that's not shifting and that is how women truly feel about themselves, see themselves, think about themselves. It's just not evolving quickly enough. And yes, things like the gender pay cap needs change and all of these things that are so imperatively need to happen and are happening. But actually, I think this is where we're completely missing the mark in actually how we truly feel about ourselves. Mm. It's a huge question. I know. <laughs> I thought I'd ease you I, in gently. <laughs> I kind of want to split it into three. Go for it. 
Firstly, maybe even four. Firstly, we are the ones who get pregnant, who have the babies who breastfeed. Yes. That's never going to change. Yes. Ever. No. Thank even, God. Yeah. And even if you have a very modern partner who's willing to really put in the hours, we're always going to carry the brunt yes. of that until men give birth and yes. stay home and breastfeed. <laughs> so fundamentally, that's never going to change. Yeah. Secondly, I work in a business that is very touchy-feely, for yeah. want of a better phrase. Yeah. It's a bis- you know, it is a business. Doulas provide a service and clients pay for that service and yeah. our service is to support them and help them through pregnancy and childbirth. Yeah. But I have seen through the years a lot of the doulas not valuing that service. because of the subject matter, because it's to do with babies, and babies are cuddly and lovely, they often don't feel that what they're providing is of value. Wow. So I have spent a lot of time on our internal forum and also talking to doulas over the years, trying to impress upon them that Mm. this is not a charity, it is a job, it is a service, and you deserve to be paid for that service. Know your worth. Right. And I, yeah. I say it quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. Know your worth. Yeah. That's By cool. the way, she, she really looked at me hard there with the know your worth. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to know my worth. I feel quite cross when I hear other doulas saying, well, you know, the clients, I've been to their house and I've interviewed with them and then they phone me two weeks later and they've asked if I can cut a third off my fee. Yeah. And, you know, there's a Ferrari in the driveway and both the kids are at private school you wouldn't do that to a plumber. No. You wouldn't do that to the guy who's going to fix your car. You wouldn't do that to the painter decorator. Oh, listen, do you mind just cutting a third off your fee? Sorry, that's my fee. That's what I charge. That's what yes. I am worth. Yes. And feeling your worth and knowing your worth is very important. Yes. So that's the second thing. The third thing is I think a lot of this comes with age. And I want to say yes, to you, yes, and yes, right. And I want to say to you something like really cheesy, something about like the power of forty. Yeah. Because I felt a massive internal shift as I turned forty, and a lot of people said that to me. Oh, it's going to happen. Wait yeah. till you're forty. And I thought, yeah. oh, what a load of bollocks. It'll yeah. be exactly the same as thirty-five. It's not. No, it's not. I completely agree with you. And that's weird, but. <laughs> It's quite powerful. It's it's immensely powerful. And I do think there's something about being 40 where you begin to understand your worth and you begin to feel the woman that you are. Yeah. And there's a lot of... um, There's a lot of confidence that comes with that and a lot of relief. So are you saying that it's an age thing mainly? Because I'm assuming that your clients are mostly younger than 40 no ironically a lot of them are sort of 40 because women are having babies older and older i I do get women in their 30s of course i do yes but they are it's rare to have any in their 20s early 30s the majority isn't it yeah yeah, i mean the majority are probably mid late 30s and quite a few women are 40 so I'm hearing how it's affecting your industry yes. as doulas in terms of people knowing their value and knowing their self-worth. Would you, can you see it happening amongst your clients as well? I don't tend to talk to them so much about their 
work and their business. Yes. What I can definitely tell you yes. is that women who are 40 or pushing 40 yeah. and they're having their first baby struggle a hell of a lot more than women who are in their mid-20s, early 30s because they have had 40 years of being in control <laughs> of their life mm. and their day-to-day business and everything works for them. And they've probably got a good job and that's well-paying and they're in their boss. Yeah. And this baby comes along and it throws their life into complete chaos. And often the question I get asked when I'm doing the antenatal meetings is, well, when, when will it, how can I get it to sleep? When's it going to sleep? <laughs> Through the night. <laughs> and that's more important to them than anything else. And I always say to them, you have to bend to the chaos. This is not something you can control. Babies are not on a 12-hour schedule. They are not made to feed for 12 hours and sleep for 12 hours. They are made to feed very frequently, digest that milk, and then need to feed again. And it's you that needs to change, not the baby. They find it very hard to relinquish control, to accept that um, something's coming into their lives where there's no order, where there's chaos. Yeah they struggle and younger mums are much more flexible maybe because they've had less life and isn't that interesting because you said and it's kind of a bit of a juxtaposition to what you just said in terms of when you come into your 40s and you feel so much more in control and in charge of yourself and knowing who you are and what you want and everything just feels a lot clearer and yet when it comes to motherhood it kind of in your 40s it turns it on its head yeah there's an irony there isn't There, there there is yeah there is so what what is that do you think because I would have thought I would have thought that if you've kind of got this living inside you from the age of 40 let's just assume um that actually it would make motherhood easier but you're saying it doesn't I don't know I it's a bit controversial what I'm going to say to you but I feel it is a bit of a, a modern disease this outsourcing of our children yeah bear in mind the majority of my clients are, are comfortable. They can afford yes. whatever they need to afford. So they have the resources to be able to do that. But I find it utterly bizarre to get to 40. I have never have had a baby. Maybe you won't have another baby because who knows what will happen with your fertility, the other side of it. To be pregnant for nine months, to birth that baby, and then to just outsource it to a night nurse and a daytime maternity nurse. I find it utterly bizarre <laughs> um well, i have because to, it, I, there's something it, it, i guess people do it because they have to go back to work or whatever their reasons are but i'm talking about before that i'm talking about the first night they come home from the hospital right there's a night nurse in i have three children the thought of handing my newborn over to a paid stranger all night long while i go to bed yeah i i can't even fathom it interestingly i didn't have a night nurse either a lot of my friends did. But I'm but that's what I'm saying to you is it's become a kind of I don't know if classist is the word, but it's almost like I can have the baby but I don't I can afford to not have to look after it. Right. Well it's such a it's a shame. Because I think there's it's such beauty and magic in those first few weeks, in those first few months. I always say that I was the best mum I was in the first four months of my baby's lives. It was all downhill after that yeah. because I absolutely adored the newborn phase there's something very um 
special mm. and it is a privilege to be up at three in the morning and the world is asleep and it's you and your baby and you're feeding your baby. There's something yeah, very... It's very intimate. Very, very precious. And I think maybe if you have only done it once, you don't understand how fleeting that yeah. is yeah. and how fast it goes by. Yeah, it does. And it, and it really does. Um, but I think at the crux of it, it's women who they want to retain control and you hear all the time well I don't want to be tired I'll be tired no one ever died of being tired you're two grown adults you're looking after one baby that has very simple needs that's going to sleep a lot of the time suck it up and I have actually been known to say that suck it up it's your baby yeah yeah enjoy it suck it up and enjoy it yeah yeah So I'm curious to know, like, what you found over the 13 years of working with women um, professionally and from a client base in terms of how a woman um, really thinks of herself. So you've touched briefly on the doulas and your colleagues that you work with. Yeah. Um, So where are we at with this? I think just to add to that, there are many doulas who definitely do know their worth and are super confident and are amazing mentors and and I bet they're doing really well at it because they're doing great of course yeah Yeah. there are are many is there is there a correlation between the two of not knowing your worth and then not making such a career out of it and knowing your worth and actually being really busy and successful in what you're doing I think it's a bit of um what do they call it like attracts like yeah I do law of attraction very much so I, I feel like if that's what you're bringing into your life yeah I'm a value, I'm worth it, I'm a great doula, I have great clients, they want to pay me, that's what you're going to attract. I have to tell you, I was always like that way with my hairdressing. Mm. I mean, I I would say no to clients more than I said yes, Mm. just because I was so busy. Mm. And it was, I had this, I just never ever looked for a client, I never fought for a client, because I always knew I was a great hairdresser, I always charged slightly more than everybody else, in terms of when I went and did my home business, and because, because I knew I was really good. Yeah. There's something about being reassuringly expensive. Yeah, well, I wasn't, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there would be many people that didn't want to pay that, and that's totally fine, but I always ran a really successful business out of it. Mm. I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. Yes, me too. And what you believe becomes your reality. I think so. Well, I, I, I from what I've seen, mm. that is what I see mm. before me. And that's why it's so vital that women think of themselves in a more positive way. Mm. Because throughout all of my years of hairdressing, and now my years of coaching, I've only ever really mainly worked with women. Of course, I've worked with men over the years, but it's mainly, I'd say it's 90% women. And actually, it's very rare that you find a woman... In fact, I've never had a woman turn around to me and say, I feel absolutely great about myself. I feel really proud of myself and who I am and how I'm doing in life, full stop. Like, they might say that and then back it up with something else that is much less, you know, a bit more self-deprecating, mm. just to balance it out. Yeah. Women don't, we don't acknowledge ourselves in the positive in who we are. We don't. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's uh, socially unacceptable. Mm. I also think that we are still bearing the brunt of all the domestic tasks on top of our real jobs. 
And there are loads of surveys and studies about all of this. Even women who are working 40-hour weeks are still coming home yeah. and doing the cooking and doing most of the cleaning up. And it's, it's you know, running a household is a job. Yeah, we, yes, and it's really funny that you say that because I was talking to someone about this the other day and we, I was saying I always ask women that, that seem to have a very balanced life in terms of male, female, mother, father, you know, when they're like a real team and they mm. do everything together. I always ask them because it fascinates me, like, does your husband empty the dishwasher without mm. being asked? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we, can, we can get to all this equality that we want, yeah. but actually, if he's still not emptying the dishwasher without being asked, yeah. then really how equal is it? Well, that's, then we're talking about the mental load, aren't we? Yes. And I would love your listeners to find that cartoon on the mental load. And I wish I could tell you the name of the lady. You might have to edit it in later. Go on. She's a French cartoonist. Yeah. And it is a, it's a cartoon about the mental load. And it just sums up everything. It's everything. I'm going to Google it's, that it's immediately. It's the most real thing I've ever seen. But that's the whole point of it, isn't it? I'm having, I'm having to think about the fact that the dishwasher needs to be unloaded and I'm having to ask you to do it. Yes. Well, it's still my problem. Yes. Even if I'm not unloading it, it's still my mental load. Yes. So if my list says, go to the vet, empty the dishwasher, get new school shoes, but that's still my list. Even yeah. if you go and do those things, yes. it's still my mental load. And that's <laughs> what women are carrying. Yes. Is the mental load. I do think, I agree, yes, yes, and a big fat neon fucking yes to all of that because that's that's how me and my... And my husband is brilliant and he's incredibly hands-on, but I do have to tell him what I need him to do. Right. And are you living in today? Because I'm always living 48 hours ahead of myself. I'm never in today. So this morning, I'm already knowing that tomorrow morning I have to go and get dinner for tomorrow night... But not too much dinner, because I know on Tuesday then we're going away. So I'm always 48 hours ahead of myself. Yes, but men don't have to be. No. Well, I don't think they do. I think they're living in their present day. What am I doing today? I'm going for a run. I'm going to my meeting. I'll come home. There's no thought of... No. The vet is at four, but he needs collecting at five. (laughs) But, you know, it's... (laughs) No, there isn't the multi... There isn't the multitasker, but isn't that just how we're wired? And well, is it how we're wired or how we're conditioned? And, or, and how we set it up. Yes. So women are yes. very responsible for this yes. as well. So uh, yes, I accept that. I went away last week on a yoga retreat by myself for six days. Yeah. Right. Now, the first few days, I will hold my hands up and say, I was checking in on my husband to say, have you dropped this one here? Have you done this? Have you done that? Te- sending texts. Don't forget to do X, Y, and Z. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's done. By Wednesday or Thursday, I then stopped myself from doing it. Because at the end of the day, he is their parent. He is 50% their parent. I am not helping him by... I mean, how annoying to have someone constantly in your ear going, have you done this and have you done that? Yeah. Don't forget this. And, I mean, it's it's almost soul-destroying. Because if he if he did that to me, I would want to lamp him one. So I didn't. And it was hard mm. because I'm used to being... I mean, I hate to say this, but in, as I've gotten older, I'm getting more controlling. Um, but... I let, I let him just do it mm-hmm. rather than actually driving him mad and trying to pick up the slack for him. It doesn't make his life easier. It makes it harder because he's then got to manage me on top of yeah. everything. And it probably makes him feel less capable. Well, let's face it, he's a 45-year-old. It might not make him feel a... less capable. It might just make him feel irritated. Both. But I think it's a little bit How both. many things did you need to put in place in order to be able to go on that yoga retreat? Because that's the interesting question, isn't it? <laughs> How many things? Um, 
Yeah, well, many. Right. So I always have this thing just before I go on holiday, and I always discuss it with my best friend. And we both reach this point. It's normally about 36 hours before we go, where we both just want to go, actually, fuck this, I'd rather not go on the holiday. Because <laughs> the load of stuff, you have, and then suddenly one child hasn't got any shorts, and suddenly yes. one yes. child has yes. to take the football, but the pump's broken. Yes. And then you're going to Brent Cross four times when you're also trying to... Pa- you know, yes. this this sort yes. of thing, the mental load. And it happens every year. And then I think about what does my husband do to prepare to go on holiday? He packs his own clothes. Yes. And then he spends about an hour dealing with adapters, <laughs> chargers, <laughs> and wires. And that's the, the the mental load of him going on holiday. So I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this yeah. because I hear everything you say yeah. and I agree with everything you say. Yeah. So what I find in that mindset is I get really resentful and really pissed off with him with my husband mm. um, by just everything's my job, everything's my responsibility. And whilst that part is my responsibility, mm. what I overlook mm. and this might be very different for you and other women. I'm guessing it's quite similar. What I overlook is all the stuff that my husband is also doing. So my husband, he's... We have very specific roles in our marriage. So he's very in charge of the bills and what's getting paid and where stuff is coming out from every month and just the sort of logistical finance of our life. He is completely and utterly in control of so whilst I am sorting you know getting the sun cream and sorting out the goggles Mm. for the holiday Mm. and getting pissed off because he doesn't seem to be doing that actually Mm. what he's doing in the background is working out a how we're paying for it where we're staying booking the flights he's doing the other stuff well snap yes so we have what we laughingly call a 1953 marriage (laughs) I have my 1953 it's very specific specific. I have my department yes it's the children the dogs domestic tasks laundry food his his thing is keep the ship afloat yeah so yes of course we had exactly the same conversation he's like well who do you think sorting out the travel insurance which we actually ended up needing who's got the flights (laughs) yeah who's in charge of the three different places that we're going to visit at the end of yes and yes he did do all of that and then this is another conversation we have and i don't know if you have this conversation with your husband too but i always say if I drop dead tomorrow, and we counted it one day, you would need to employ seven people <laughs> to take over what I do. We actually had my son's permits for a few weeks ago, and he said this in the speech. He's like, if you died, I, I would have to employ seven different people. And it's true. Oh, my God, that is... Well, it's well, true. I was about to say that's brilliant, but that's not a brilliant way of looking at it. But it's... And, and I often say to him, if... If, let's say, I, I vanished tomorrow and the children vanished in, in a puff of smoke, would your life look any different? Would your work be any different? Would the way you run your life be any different? Because I, I don't think it would. And he said, well, I'd have a lot more disposable income. I said, yeah, but ambition-wise, <laughs> work-wise, everything would look the same to you. If him and my kids disappeared in a puff of smoke tomorrow, my life wouldn't even resemble the life that I have yes. and I think that's the fundamental difference and do you think that because that's quite powerful what you're touching on now actually do you think that's playing into why us women feel the way we do about ourselves maybe I think 
I think it changes women on a much more fundamental level to have children than it changes men. Because once you have a baby, you are no longer the picture, you are the frame. And nothing is ever about you anymore, ever. It's like living with your heart outside your body once you have children. It is. I tell my kids that you are my heartbeat. Right. Without you, my heart will not beat. That is not to say in any way that fathers don't love their children and even two fathers can't raise their children as well as a mother and a father. Of course fathers are obsessed and adore their children, but I don't think it's quite the same thing. It can't be the same. It can't be the same because they haven't grown these children. It's a very, it's a different dynamic. And I w- it is, but then, you know, then you're onto the subject of, well, then can you say the same thing about surrogate mothers and adoptive mothers? They haven't grown their, those babies. Maybe they haven't breastfed those babies. Do they not feel the same as another mother? I, I do feel like that because I did grow and birth my babies, but I do think it's something to do with women. I think intrinsically... We're more connected. We are more connected. Yeah. And it's because even... That, that's, how, that's how we are wired yes, it is. as human yeah. beings there was a very interesting discussion the other day about toddler tantrums and how you know that thing when you've got an 18 month old and they have a complete meltdown in the supermarket and you start to get that like hot panicky sweat on <laughs> you know that my 11 year old can still do that right <laughs> and yeah, they can still do it when they're teenagers but you become physically and emotionally involved in this in what's happening whereas men can literally pick up that toddler remove them from the room go and sit there until it's over they're not yeah but you've got to ask who's got it right who's got it wrong they have got it right yeah they have got it right they have absolutely Um, but there's a different there's a different emotional attachment I I think yes I feel there there is I I completely see that and sometimes it is much better to be able to to slightly detach yourself from all of that and not feel what your children are feeling for sure it must be easier to live in their bodies than to live in ours I'm sure yeah I wonder who's more but the thing is that the difference the difference is sort of back to the topic is I'm really curious to know it must be linked somehow in terms of how women connect to themselves and to their lives and whatever's in their life, in terms of then it, it plays a message in how they see themselves, view themselves, think of themselves, and the same for men. Because men, men are generally better at holding themselves in a more in an easier way, in a more confident way, yes. they're kinder to themselves, yes. generally, yes. than women are. Yes. And I wonder if this dynamic that we've created in our culture and in our society has play is playing a big part of that but I find it interesting that you say that we've created it because even then you're still taking the blame for it (laughs) Um, is it something we've put on ourselves or is it something that has been put upon us I I live in a household of men my husband is a man and my three children are men And I find it quite an interesting life lesson just to see the way they conduct themselves because they know what they want, yes. they will get what they want, yes. they don't feel the need to apologise oh, for it. Oh, oh yes. Um, loving that, loving that. Just want to underline that just for a second, I know you're in flow, because women... Like, I actually did a video about this yesterday. Like, you are allowed to say what you want without apology. You are allowed to be who you are without 
apology. You are allowed to celebrate yourself without apology. All of these things you are allowed to do, but don't fucking apologize for it. And yes, and you're watching, and I listen, I've got two daughters, so it's different, isn't mm-hmm. it? Automatically. And you're seeing these boys come into manhood and do what they want, how they want, when they want, without apology. Mm, I am. That's that's amazing. And I I my friends growing up were mainly boys. So I have a great, you know, I, I feel a little bit like we've done a bit of man bashing and I don't feel like that at all. I'm a great fan of men. And I really... Well, you're raising three of them. I am them. raising three of them and I hope I'll raise three good, decent ones. But I, you know, I really like the way when there is a disagreement between any of them, it is said, it is out, it is quick... And then it is over. Yes. There's no grudge bearing. There's no sulking. There's no dramas. There's no histrionics. You did this. I don't like it. Say sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, it's done. And I love the simplicity. Oh my God, that is so not how my Well, I know. Works. This is what I understand. Of mothers and daughters, it's, it's, very, it's very different. Oh, my head is in my hands right but, now. But <laughs> there, is, um, there is a blessed simplicity in living with with men their lives feel more simple yeah and I don't they are well are they well because because we're doing all the grunt work for them well well, because they they don't overthink who they are how they they look what they think what they feel what they want is it okay if I want this do I feel guilty about wanting that should I say this they don't do any of that Whereas we're bogged down with all of that complication that we do bring on ourselves. Yes. We do. Well, we do bring it on ourselves and also it has been brought upon us yes. from the dawn of time. Which so is what we're trying to change, both. right? Mm, yeah. But but we're not, but that's that's my point. We're not changing that. How do you feel about this women can have it all business? Um, how do I feel about it? I think that a great question I think it's um, an important option Mm. I think it creates I think it's really important that we are able to have the choice to do whatever we want however we want because we haven't had that opportunity forever and it's only just coming into fruition now Mm. so I think that's really important I think it creates a lot of stress and anxiety and pressure on women today because it comes with a lot of obligations so women having being able to have it all then women because they take on everything don't they it's like oh okay well if I'm able to have it all then that must mean I should have it all so I'm going to do it all even if it makes me really miserable and really stressed and I think it's creating a whole different dynamic in in ourselves and in the relationship that we have with ourselves because it's just it's just creating so much more work but actually it's okay if you don't want to have it all it's okay if you want to have um a job in a local job in the, a clothes shop or a florist or in Tesco's. I don't care what it is you do as long as you're happy doing it. It's okay if you don't want to have children. It's just the only thing that I say to all women is just be in choice. Be in powerful choice at all times. Don't allow society or culture or obligation or expectation dictate how your life should look. Mm. I think it's do whatever works for you and your life. So when I had my first baby, I was working full-time, and a friend of my dad's, a woman, she was a business owner, she said to me, you're going to go back to work after the baby's born. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to take six months off, and then I'll probably go back part-time. And she said, don't go back to work. I said, why, why not? I was working um, 
in the West End. I was an actor's agent at this time, before I was a dean. And she said, because when you're at home, half of your mind is going to be at work, wondering what you're not doing. And when you're at work, half of your mind is going to be at home with your baby, wondering what you're not doing. And she said, your work will suffer, the baby will suffer, but do you know who really will suffer the most? You. You're the one that's going to suffer the most. Don't go back. And I did go back because I wanted to and I wanted to earn my own money and I wanted to go back to my job. Strong advice. But it was very strong advice. But, you know, this is 15 years ago and I'm still, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. And no one says that to men. <laughs> oh, you're having a baby. Are you thinking about going back to work? But they also, when are you going to go back to but work? But also it's not set up for them to do that. Right, so... It's not. So that's what I'm saying to you is fundamentally... You can have one kid, six kids, four kids, as long as you can afford them. <clears throat> it doesn't fundamentally affect your life as a man yeah. in terms of your work and your job and your career and your ladder that you're climbing and your ambitions as much as it does as a woman. Yes. So I do feel there is a compromise. And even if you are Cheryl Sandberg and you've got eight nannies or your husband at home full-time looking after the babies, there's still a compromise because the compromise is... You're not at home knowing when that kid's school shoes need replacing. Yeah. And maybe that doesn't matter to you. Maybe yeah. your, your ambitions are much higher than that. And look, some people might be better mothers by doing that. For sure. They might be able to give to their children in a way that they couldn't if they were at home with their kids. For sure. So that's and, what... it's, and it's boring. Let's not lie about it. It's boring picking up Lego. There is... <laughs> there, it, it is... There's nothing stimulating. I to, listen, I have to pick up glitter. Oi. <laughs> I have to pick up football socks. But there's nothing stimulating or intellectual about being at home with a two and a half year old and a baby. Nothing. No. You know, you're basically picking up rubbish all day. It's like fielding, it's like herding cats. Yes. It is boring. I would say it's shoveling snow in a snowstorm. Right. It's, but it's important. Yes. Because these people are going to be... So the next generation. It's about, and it's about finding what works for you. Yeah. As a woman, as a mother, as a boss, as a CEO, as an employee, as anything that you want to be. It's about finding what your balance looks like for you and what's, and definitely not what's dictated to you or what you feel is expected of you because there's a big load on women now mm-hmm. on their shoulders to, oh, okay, well, if we now have the option to do it all, then that must mean I must. Well, yes. No, you, you you must make yourself happy first because you can't, as you said, you can't be everywhere doing everything without something suffering. Something has to give. Something has but to I give. I find what normally gives is the woman. And the well-being of the woman. Yeah. The well-being of the woman. But maybe you reach 40 and things don't give as much anymore. Or maybe if you've had your children a little earlier... You, you are physically freed up. You're not bogged down in babies and nappies. And well, look, I'm 42 and I'm not bogged down in babies and yeah. nappies. I had kids when I was in my early 30s. Yeah. So, and I would say that, and I loved what you said about that it's an age thing and actually your confidence does come more with age. But actually, I think what you're pointing to as well is the boundaries come in more as you get older. Oh, yes. And I think that's a really important part of knowing who you are and knowing your worth. Boundaries are massive. <laughs> My sister-in-law's, oh, she's exactly a year older than me. And so she's, I'm 41, she's 42. And she said to me recently, I've just learned to say no. Yes. 
And she said, I can't tell you how powerful that is. When I would always have said, yes, of course I can. Yes, of course I can. No problem, no problem. Now I say, I'm sorry, no. Yeah. Or just no. No No is a full sentence. Yeah. I often say that. No is a full sentence. And if you struggle with the word no, the one thing I always say as well is, actually, when you say no, it's what you're saying yes to, because no and yes live in the same territory. I've always said that. Mm. So it's not just about your no. It's actually about your yes. So, no, I can't do that because I'm saying yes to me time or I'm saying yes to spending time with my children or I'm saying yes to going to work. It doesn't matter what it is you're saying yes to, but that's really what the reason you're saying no, mm. isn't it? Women are... We're really bad at saying We're really bad Because we don't like to disappoint people. No. But that, again, it comes down to a self-worth and a confidence thing. Actually, being comfortable with saying no. No! Sorry, I can't do that. I mean, just that. And not following up with, but maybe I'll be able to do it for you next week. Just yeah. like, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Because we worry so much about how it's going to affect the other person, but that's not that's not ours to carry. So this is a great phrase. I said it to my husband last night. I said, this is what I'm going to say to Nicole tomorrow. I'm going to say to her, what other people think of you is none of your business. Yes. It's a great phrase. It's true. But it's almost impossible to accept that until you're 40. Yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Basically, if you're listening to this and you're not 40 yet, just wait and then just you'll be fine. Just wait till you're 40, it's great. The trick is to be so sure and comfortable with who you are and in your skin that actually when someone else's opinion of you, it, it, it's, it doesn't make it your opinion of you. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Because your opinion is so solid and so self-assured, actually, whatever anyone else thinks of you, it is, like, as you said, it's up to them. It's their business. I know who I am. Listen, there are times where I, I haven't made friends along the way because I've learned to say no and I've learned to stand up and say, actually, that really doesn't work for me. And I had this big debate with one of my best friends about this because we function very, very differently. Mm. And she said to me... Um, it's fine, you just, you, just, you just need to relax about it. And I said, but this is me relaxed. For me to stand up for myself and say, actually, no, I'm not going to accept that and I need to tell you that I'm not going to accept that is, is me standing in who I am and I'm super proud of that. Mm. But, I ha- but it, was, it was such an interesting conversation because she doesn't work that way and that works for her yeah. and that's brilliant because she's very chilled and very easygoing. I never have been. Um... And she was like, oh my God, I see it completely differently now. I just thought you were getting yourself quite hit up and stressed. I'm like, no, I'm not stressed about it. I'm really proud of it. Mm. And it was just a really interesting observation because she perceived it one way and I perceived it completely differently. Yeah. And I wouldn't change that for anything now because mm. I've worked really hard to be able to find my voice and use it mm. when it's necessary. I think it's very interesting because I would always have said, at, even at 18, 20, 25, I was very self-assured very yeah. confident yeah. very outspoken yeah but uh, there was no way I was able to say no yeah or have boundaries around yeah. myself and that's really only happened in the past year even with my parents you know you do reach that point where you go oh oh I'm not six anymore <laughs> what do you mean I can, <laughs> no, no, I can just actually <laughs> say no mum and that's okay you know it's it's it's, it's fascinating. It's really me. funny you say that because I had this conversation with my mum yesterday because she wants me to do her hair colour. And she knows, like, oh, God, I've still got to do your hair, okay. 
how would I say no to my mum? Like, my mum is so helpful and so amazing yeah. with my yeah. kids. And yeah. so, so yesterday, this is so funny. I wanted to go and see, because we're on the summer holidays at the moment, and I wanted to go and see my daughter at camp because they invite you early on the Friday. So she said to me, are you going to do my hair colour? But I can't get to you before 2.30 on Friday. I was like, well, I was going to go and see Daisy. She's like, right. I was like, well, you know, I'd really like to do that. And there's me. I've gone back to my six-year-old. Of She's course. like, but my hair needs colouring. I'm like, okay. Okay, mum. <laughs> but truthfully, I, I thought about it after. And I could have said no to my mum. But that would have made me feel like total crap. Well, that's different, isn't it? Yeah. So, so it's knowing when your no is works yeah. for you, isn't yeah. it? I yeah. guess. I find, you know, I've had births where the, the birthing mother has been there, her partner has been there, and also her mother has been there, so the grandmother of this baby. And I watched this dynamic, and it is fascinating for many reasons. Firstly, because you've got a natural tension between the son-in-law and the mother-in-law. However good their relationship is, that relationship, there is a natural tension in yeah. it. So you're watching that. You're watching the grandmother becoming a grandmother, Oh, how lovely. And you're watching the mother and the dynamic between her mother whilst she's trying to birth her own baby. And even though this woman is in the middle of labour, her concern is always for her mother. Oh, my God. I see it time after time. Oh, my God. Mummy, you look tired. Mummy, you look hungry. Go and have something to eat. Mummy, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. And you watch them trying to birth whilst also trying to take care of their mothers. And so now when it's suggested to me, you know, my mum might come to the birth, what do you think if you ever work with grandmothers? I say, what's going to happen is I'm going to end up doulering the grandma because you have to be able to let go and do your job. And your and job is you. to have, your job is to have you. the baby. Your job isn't to be looking after your mum. And they will say, well, I won't, I won't. But they do. And that's so... It just sums up to me everything about women. You're trying to do one job birthing your baby whilst also doing another job Which, let's worrying be honest, about your mum is the most important job in, that you're ever going to do it is but they can't stop and you see it as well with home births with it, when it's a second or third baby you, they don't stop being mummy to the toddler in order to birth this baby so you find that when the toddler's running around they don't contract or the contractions are very ineffective <gasps> because they're like any mammal they're not in a safe quiet environment they need to mother the toddler once you remove those children from the house or from the room they're able to let go and give birth that is so it's like women never they never stop aren't we incredible really if you think about it just just that whole analogy is is remarkable that a woman's body stops when she's caring for somebody else yeah or when there's a change of environment so often when you move from home to hospital contractions will yeah stop for a while because it's a new environment and the body doesn't know whether it's a safe place to let go but I, I find the, the capacity to care is it's, it's endless with women. And I, I do think that there is real magic and beauty in that. There is. But we need to use it for good. <laughs> like, use it for what it's meant for. Use it for the magic and the beauty and not to the detriment of your own health or your own well-being. But I think it gets confused, and that goes back to women not valuing themselves because they feel maybe in some way, well, if I care, if I was a good person, I would charge less because dot, dot, dot. Or if I was a good person, I'd spend an extra five hours there because I care and they need me and they want me. And boundaries get blurred. Yeah. 
So it's about boundaries and actually it's about values mm. and knowing what values to stand up for and when. Mm. And you don't need someone to take advantage of you. I mean, that, but that's a whole different story. So how would you, um, to, to round all of this lovely conversation up, how would you, what would you say to women now that are listening in how to create more self-worth, more confidence, more value for themselves? What would your advice be on that? I would say to really think about what matters to you, what you want to do, Beautiful. and what makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. And, and it's okay to feel good about yourself. And live, and live in honesty about it. And also find your voice. Don't be frightened to find your voice. Yeah. Because it is scary, and I think... I think women often don't find their voice because they have a fear that their needs are not going to be met. When they vocalise yes. it, their needs are not going to be yes. met. They don't expect them to be met. Yes. Yet, they still feel the need to meet everyone else's needs. Yeah. So, so they deserve, their needs deserve to be met too. And heard. Yeah. So if you do want to be working a 48-hour week and that's what's good for you, and someone else needs to look after your kids, do that. And if you want to be home sitting on the floor playing Lego, and that's where your heart is and you can afford to do that, do it, and, and don't be afraid of it, and don't regret it. Yeah. When you're older, that you didn't do the things that made you happy. Oh, oh you just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I've loved Thank chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Will me you come too. back? Anytime. Oh, yay! Anytime. <laughs> You have been listening to the Female in Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Goodman. Thank you so much for listening today. If you loved this podcast and found value in it, please, please go and give it a share to all of your friends that you think would love it. And feel free to write a review because Apple Podcasts absolutely love that. And that means that I can keep bringing female to you every single week. For more of my work, you can find me on all social media channels, Instagram at Nicole Goodman underscore coach, Facebook at Nicole Goodman Life Coach. Just type in at Nicole Goodman. You will find me somewhere. Thank you again for joining me today. This has been Femaling. And remember, it is the most exciting time to be a woman.